All right, everyone. This is Stephen Waggis back with LABI on our latest edition of the Biz Podcast. And today we're going to turn the tables. We're going to bring in a guy who's used to asking all the questions and sitting there on his you know, mighty throne, judging all the answers. And this time we're going to turn it on him. And I got, wow. I'm, I'm joined by my friend Clay Young here. And while he's usually the interviewer, uh, today he's going to be the interviewee. So, Clay, welcome. Welcome. And by the way, this coffee is shockingly hot. This is, uh, this is good. That's the way we roll here, man. That's the way to roll. No lukewarm yeah. coffee here. Yeah, that's right. We bring it's the hot. heat in yeah. more ways than one. It was that? telling me in its own way to go in slow. <laughs> I abided. Well, you pay attention. You take direction well. We'll see if that is that a trend that continues <laughs> oh, during this man. interview. I like that. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know Clay Young, um, he is, it's hard to explain, but um, he is, I'm going to let him get into some a little bit. He's obviously an entrepreneur and a talented guy, but I kind of view him as, uh, I don't know, the, the Dos Equis man of impact. He does a lot of different <laughs> things in a lot of different ways, but all at a high, high level. Thank he you. cares about his community. He's a, a, such a strategic and, and strong communicator. He does it in his business, personal life. He raises money for mm-hmm. countless good events and all that stuff. So before we get into all that, why don't you give a little background? Who the heck is Clay Young? And uh, tell us your story a little bit. Born here in Baton Rouge, spent most of my youth in Poinquipi Parish. Um, own a business, obviously here for a very long time. I've worked in media and in around media for 26 years. And I started my company in 99. And uh, my company, Clay Young Enterprises, is a marketing public relations and strategy company. We have clients here in Baton Rouge, Lafayette, Shreveport, and New Orleans. And we kind of pick around in some other places as well. Uh, I just had in our meeting this morning, we were going over systems Mm because regularly I like to talk about systems. Uh, I have a saying, money is easy. The system is the difficult part. Mm -hmm. If you master a system, you can get the money. That's right. And so formulaic like that. That's right. And so we talked a little bit about every client and we go through and talk about what is our role in their existence. And that's the only thing I care about. That's the only thing I care about. I did radio for a long time, uh, fresh out of college doing radio and I've done some television. So where'd you go to college? I went to Southern. You went to Southern. And so yeah. you're, 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 you studied journalism in college. Yeah, I, well, it, communications and my marketing and business. Cause okay, I kind of yeah. knew what, where I wanted to be. You've been an entrepreneur mindset for since day one, I'm since, guessing. Well, right? I'm, I am the product of, entrepreneurs. My, my grandmother right. is the greatest human being I have ever known on the planet. I love it. I love it. And she was a business owner and she was a hard worker. What was her business? Well, she and my grandfather owned a tavern oh, nice. and they worked. He worked in Baton Rouge and, and new roads and new roads. He worked during the day at a plant and would come home and work mm-hmm. with her until they closed at night and then get up and do that. He did that six days a week. Wow. They tolerated no excuses. They also taught me the value of personal pride and hard work. Yep. And she was one of the first people to see something in me as a kid because I was awesome. kind of a knucklehead. Yeah. You know, Most and, boys are, right? Oh, well, yeah. yeah. And so uh, it's kind of one of those ethics that I've kept that I believe in hard work. I don't believe in personal perfection because it'll put you in a trap because you can never be perfect. Mm -hmm. And if you obsess about perfection, it'll steal time from you in an effort to get better. You should be obsessed with maxing out at whatever level that is. You know, I love that. And I, and I would tell you just, I've never heard you kind of talk about it in your background. I hate this, from. by the way. I know you do, but like <laughs> that actually flavors someone who, who's known you and sees how you handle yourself and your personal and business behavior. What you just described, I want you to know, like, that's what you espouse. Like when you go around, that Thank is you. what you deliver. So 
Grandma's lessons are still working, man. That's man, awesome. I think about her every day. And she was one of those people who believed in the value of the person on the inside. Mm-hmm. Now, she had she couldn't give two you-know-whats about you if you were someone who was either trying <laughs> to harm family or trying to take yeah. from her. Yeah. And there was just this inner strength that I gained because I'm an only child. Yeah. Right? So, and I've been a loner pretty much most of my life. Most of my choices about the directions I go in are not based upon what the tribe says. I believe tribalism kills greatness. Mm-hmm. And the individual who is willing to be the individual can create something that society's never seen before. And that sweet spot is if you can recognize that individuality, yeah. but use it for the greater good, for yeah. the communal good. That's the, and I think that's a, that's a spot you try to occupy. Well, time you, you know, can. in marketing, and you understand this, having been an architect of, of major political infrastructure here, mm-hmm. that if someone is a master manipulator, mm-hmm they generally can stay around because people are so tribal. That's right. You infiltrate, learn the language, pretend to assimilate to where they are, and you can get them to move in whatever direction you choose. Herd mentality. It's a herd mentality. That's right. And so on the other side of elections, people say, well, this guy or this lady said they were going to do this and then it doesn't happen. And then they prick back into your tribalism to get you back to where they are. It's fascinating to watch it happen. Yeah, it really is a science. And I guess in the communication space that you occupy, part of you has to kind of resent that, and part of you has to understand it and know how to manage it, well, right? It's it's more so understanding it. Uh, Stephen Covey, as you know, as one of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, habits of highly successful people said, seek to understand, then to be understood. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of something. I was on the phone with a friend of mine the other day. West Point grad, a law professor up in, uh, in the Upper East Coast, and we were talking about an article by someone on social media by this Olympic athlete. Her name is Allison Felix. This is I not believe. a light conversation you're having with a very heavy guy. I mean, most, I think most of my conversations this week were like buddies on Tiger Droppings talking about what the team's going to be like this year. You're, you're talking to East Coast professor. I mean, you're, you're a deep guy, aren't you? I, well, don't tell anybody that. <laughs> uh, but the in the heart of the story, All right. talking about her break from Nike, there was the there was a report or a quote from someone in Nike telling her to know your role and just run. It's like, wow, who as an executive at Nike would say something so stupid? Mm-hmm. And why have I not heard that before now? So while we're on the call, I'm searching it. Can't find it anywhere. I go to her social media. Doesn't exist. It was made up. Uh-huh. Clickbait. And the person got what they wanted when I opened the story, which I should know better. But I didn't open the story because of the person. My first thought was, dang, somebody at Nike is that dumb? Yep, yep. And it's just, it is kind of emblematic or or symptomatic, really, of where we are are right now. The clickbait culture. Do whatever it takes to get that click, to get that like, to get that share. I mean, that's the game, right? And it doesn't matter if you're a, a blogger or someone in their basement trying to get relevancy for the first time. Or you're an established media enterprise no trying question. to maintain relevance in a changing world. Yeah. Clickbait drives everything, right? So as a communicator, talk a little bit about that. Like, what is that dynamic like on a daily business, and how good is that for for what journalism? I think, quite frankly, at some point began as, which is, you know, when you think Walter Cronkite, yeah. Edward Armaro, yeah. all those yeah. folks, it was like, do what it takes to tell the truth and put it out there. Is that really the enterprise that's at play right I now? I think it's killed traditional journalism. 
now most media outlets are in the interest of creating the rubberneck spectator. Do they even know they're doing it? or is The it media? Just, yeah. Well, you have to understand, if you watch a 30-minute newscast, they only care about eight minutes of your attention. Mm-hmm. The commercial breaks. Yeah. They need you to stay through the A block That's to right. get to the first block of commercials. Mm-hmm. So whatever's in the A block is meant to keep you there. Most news stations are formulaic. You got the heaviest, most salacious stuff in the first block. The mm-hmm. second block may be a little more serious. And then if you're in South Louisiana, when they tell you weather's up next, you ain't going nowhere. That's right. You got to stick around for that. Right? Yeah. And so sportscasters are the goofy guy to keep you for the jovial reason. And then yeah. newscasts have something at the end they call the kicker, which will yeah. be the story about grandma and her kittens or whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. But now, man, because people have so many outlets for information, they've got to go over the top. You don't have to wait until 6 o'clock to find out what happened during the day. It's already there. Get an alert when it happened. You don't have to wait until the you're in your slippers the next morning walking out to the curb to get the print because you've already seen it on social media the so, night before. So here's the, here's the downside for somebody coming out of J school. You want to get directly to the cable nets because you will starve working in a local market because they're struggling just to keep people's attention. Ad revenue is not what it was a long time ago. Right. So now you you want to get to at least a major market where you can go to L.A., make $250,000 as a weekend reporter and still starve, by the way. Yep. Or, or if you get the chance to go to one of the networks, you might be okay, but you're still not doing something until you get one of those chairs. It, it's a challenging industry. You know, you know, being someone who's been, you know, I've been interviewed a lot. You've yeah. been interviewed a lot. You've been on both sides. I've been well. interviewed a lot. Well, that's going to change today, my friend. Man. But, this, but you know, I would tell you, like, you know, like when I worked in the governor's office and yeah. you, would, you would walk downstairs to press row and you would go meet with Times Pick, Advocate, all, the new, all those newsrooms, mm-hmm. they were filled yeah. with seasoned reporters yeah. who knew every trick of the trade. They'd done their research. They knew everything. They all had a unique beat that they mm-hmm. really owned and occupied. And now, you know, it's, it's one or two or three people at most yeah. of those enterprises. They have big jurisdictions. They're sooner out of J school. They hadn't been in the business a long time. They got a huge beat. They got deadlines all over their place. It's not just 6 o'clock. 10 o'clock mm-hmm. above the fold the next morning, their deadline is every five minutes yeah. on social media. And so I do feel for them that it's an impossible expectation that they have to be on point, specific, yeah. and fast. And um, it's almost like the system is set up for misinformation to oh, be yeah. delivered quickly. Oh, yeah. You know? Because it's what you've, you have fed. Think about it, man. In the, think about the last two decades. We have had a little bit of everything. This millennium started with the worst terrorist attack in the history of the country on our soil, right? Four and a half years later, we had Katrina. (laughs) And then from there, it's been on and on and on. And the addiction to news has kind of kept us glued into it. And we we don't question whether or not it's accurate. It's did it entertain you? That's and right. so you hire people to do primetime television who just say bombastic things to get your attention. Listen, I really don't care what side of the aisle you're on. If all you're going to do is scream at me, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. And, 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 you know, if you're not learning anything from the screaming, what's the point? That's right. So, okay, so tied back to you as a Clay, you mentioned Clay Young Enterprises mm-hmm. first on. You are a um, multifaceted so, yeah, my, communication. Yes, my, my company does. Uh, we, we place ads for companies, obviously. We also mm-hmm. help them with messaging strategy, mm-hmm. kind of help them find out who their audience is and then attack that specific demographic, no matter what it is, from car sales to clothes to pest supplies or what have you. And then we do some 
political work, as you know, but I always cherry pick that work. Yeah, no, you're always selective, I, but, yeah. but but strategic. On yeah. It, yeah. yeah, I just if I meet a candidate and he or she is not going to be the hardest worker in the room, then we're probably not going to work. No, together. I love that about you. We're going to get in a little bit on that. Uh, on, but let me ask you the, the the chaotic clickbait culture that is you know dominating media, yeah. whether they want want it or not. Does that create opportunities for for companies like yourself to come in and be more precision strike? Yes, to filter through the noise. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. In 2016, when the flood happened, 2017 was probably the worst year that I had in business in 20 years. In 2020 and 2021, back to back, and looks like the trend will continue this year, three super solid years. Now you think about it. Well, why was it so different? Well, in 2020, or excuse me, 2016, it wasn't people trying to message to their customer base, telling them how to access their product or service. There was so much water in buildings, people weren't open. Right. So you didn't advertise. There was nothing you could sell. You had to get your building back, right. you know, upstanding. In 20 and 21, and it looks like 22, people are marketing to folks about how they can access their product. And now in the virtual world, more and more companies are coming to you. So it's, it provided uh, really an invigorating opportunity to help companies rebrand themselves. And that's the thing that gets me up doing it. I, I love hearing from a client who's gigged about something we did for them that made them money. Do you think most companies and businesses do a good job of getting their message out in today's social media slash traditional media? You know, they got a chessboard in front Mm -hmm. of them. They got to figure out, okay, do I spend my money on commercials or print or social media? Do I do this or that? Do you think most companies really have a finger in the pulse how to reach their customers? Or you think they're kind of walking in the wilderness with a blindfold on? I think the most direct answer is they do the best they can Mm -hmm. with, with the information they have. Social media and the internet, it's, it's an evolving thing, right? The algorithms on social media have changed so much just in the last couple of years, and I'll explain what I mean. Let me Directly to your question, companies that have people who do social media, we do that for companies. We manage their social because there's so much to manage. Yeah. So a lot of companies can't afford that. A lot of small businesses can't staff someone just to do social media, right? So they hire companies like mine, and we will take your money. They hire companies like mine to do that for them. We'll provide a link in the social oh, media. Oh, there you go. Please do, sir. <laughs> this might be okay. But the, the algorithm is so – Julio Malera, a good yeah. friend of yours and mine, yeah. we're, we're sitting and talking about this High algorithm. energy, all heart, baby. He's amazing. Yeah. But we were saying social has gone from when you see someone's page, there's a number of comments in the – or there's a number of likes versus a few comments. Yeah. Well, now they're looking for the interaction. So you could have – 500 views of you with your kids in Destin and three comments. And people are going to see that more because what they want to know is you engaged with that in, in comments and, mm-hmm. and uh, versus likes rather. That's what I should right. said. More comments than likes. Right. So it's evolving. Yeah. But I think if a business dismisses social media, they do so at their own peril. I, I think we see it here. I mean, it wasn't that long ago where, when we were trying to get messages out or, you know, a bill comes up or something big happens, we used to, it was almost a, you know, gag reflex. You put yeah. a press release out, you put it out, or a reporter would call, and they say they needed more, they'd give it to them. And, it, you know, you'd see it at 6 o'clock, you'd see it at 10 o'clock, or you'd see it in the paper. That was your thing. Now the press release is almost dollar short and a day late. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're not putting out on Twitter, if you're not texting a reporter, whatever, it's just a different game right now. And I think a lot of businesses um, are trying to figure out 
how to be strategic. They don't they don't know how to really get in there, but they need they needed a professional to come in and coach them on that because they recognize they need to get into this new space, but they really don't know what they're doing or how to do it. And yeah. the ones that have figured it out, you can you can get to customers so much more strategically. Um, and I think it'll be the norm before you know it. But I think they're still in the evolution period on that. You know, Wags, I like to say we are more aware but less informed than mm-hmm. we've ever been. Yeah, that's right. We know things are happening, but we don't always know what happened. Well, we're not doing the deep happened. dive as much. You and, know? and that's where the news media paid a service to the, to the public. And you get so much less of that now. I mean, I could tell you so many stories from the inside, the other, other side of the curtain, as you understand yeah. it, where you see something on the news and you're like, that's not what the hell happened. Oh, that happens to me like five times a day. <laughs> Where I see that, I'm like, wait, that's not how it went down. But that, that is the nature but of the But imagine beast. the public. Right. What, how do you blame the public for falling prey to information coming Amen. from what they consider to be a trusted source? Amen. That's right. That's right. And you know, the other piece of that is when you see, you know, I think the reader, the, the digester yeah. of information is so trained to digest it in either a video feed mm-hmm. or a Twitter space or like a click moment that when you have someone like the advocate and they write these 10 part series that are like three pages, you know, long of these in-depth scenarios, I'm sure it takes a lot of reporting time and all that stuff. I don't think they get read. It may, that may be And they good. do a great job. I know, with those. But, but the reader is not trained yeah. to digest anymore, not anymore to take the time to read a book or much less a, a, a four page, three part article in, in, in the advocate. So not I do think reporters are being trained to go clickbait. I think readers are trained to read that way, and what's being lost is the trust, the in-depth, you know, the research, the the, the depth that well, we listen, need. To your point, we don't even have we, we don't even have to look up instructions for something on the internet now. That's Just it. go to YouTube. That's it, and you can watch someone do what you're trying to get done. That's right. That's, that's I, crazy. I tied a bow tie last weekend. I did that, that way. Absolutely, <laughs> dude. That is. Oh, whatever. I've seen your ties. Don't don't try to get down on my level with my lame bow tie. No, 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 no. What I'm there. saying is it's work to tie a bow tie. It is. For, for us mortals, it is. I'm sure okay. for you, it's piece of cake. All right. So let, let That's me why ask, I hate doing these I things. I know. That's why you're good at it. Okay. So let me ask you this. I know you're, you're good at your job. You do all the stuff. You mentioned you do a little political. And I would agree. When I've seen you do that over the years, it's really been involved in things that you have a passion mm-hmm. for or you have a, a strong uh, resonance with. I do view you as a, a, communi- a community-driven guy. Yeah. And so let's talk about our community a little bit. A little yeah. bit. Uh, you and I both live in Baton Rouge. Mm-hmm. Um, you're involved in a lot of different ways. At first, give me a little um, hint on, on some of the things you're working on to try to make Baton Rouge better. I know you're involved with a few things. Well, you know, I sit on United Way's board here. Mm-hmm. Um, I serve on the board of a little organization called Family Road of Greater Baton Rouge. It does work with fathers and young mothers and kind of taking them through the process because they're coming from these poor communities often. And, you know, having a baby is an important thing and they don't come with instruction manuals. And early on, you need to know as much as you can. And I chair an organization called the uh, Law Enforcement and Criminal Justice Foundation. Mm -hmm. And we do a bunch of work here. You know, Edmund Burke said the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Mm -hmm. So in other words, get off your you know what and do something. That's right. And so I was kind of raised on that ethic. And but you have to compartmentalize what pays your bills and what you want to do for the community. So it makes for 
pretty long days. And you were pretty active in also raising money to uh, install security cameras downtown. Yeah, and, yeah we you know, raised a hundred grand for that. And look, Lobby, we moved our headquarters down here a couple yeah. of years ago. We are a benefit from yep. your hard work, so yep. I appreciate that. I, I, you know, we've been here what almost two years now. Yeah, um, it feels very safe and, and and habitable. And I think you know your heart. Talk a little bit about why that was important. What you worked on there. It's so interesting. It was one of the last things Davis Roar was a part of. I get a phone call from Daryl Gissel wanting mm-hmm. to connect me with Davis. And then we met a week or so later at police headquarters. I wanted him to see the crime center up there and he wanted cameras. So I had a meeting after that with some guys and pitched it to him. And then we were off. We raised about a hundred grand in five months and put the cameras up. And it was just an effort to, to assist law enforcement. Yeah. And we're trying to expand it into the inner city. Mm-hmm. There is a, there's a huge reality that I think people miss. Police officers in this town, like in many towns, are working their butts off to keep the streets safe. Yep. And people say there isn't cooperation from the communities. Well, there's a good reason why that is often. If I see this little guy on the street stomp the hell out of somebody or worse, mm-hmm. get arrested, go to court, and in six months he's out. Then he beats the hell out of somebody else, and he gets arrested again, goes in, spends a little time, gets out. What are the chances I'm going to tell you what I saw when you come knock on my front door? Fear sets in, and that's where the silent treatment begins. Well, if cameras are up in those communities, Miss Janie sitting on her front stoop didn't tell us what you did, son. These cameras up here showed it. And and that's one of the, the parts around this. And I just had this conversation yesterday, Wags, with a buddy of mine, and you've been in the community Um, And he's a good friend. And we were talking about causes. I said, inner city problems don't have a political solution. There's no one you can elect who will fix what's happening in Inglewood, Chicago, New Orleans, Baton Rouge. Mm -hmm. I know people think so. That's an illusion. Mm -hmm. The illusion of government is that they're all knowing and all powerful. Mm -hmm. Wrong. Mm -hmm. The, The government in itself is an extension of the public they serve. That's the way it was initially set up. You have people who have come along to made you believe they're omniscient, omnipotent. They, right. they, if you, Those mythical figures that if we could just get that one person in that one role, It's all boom, a farce. It's, all to, it's a farce. And that's not just an inner city issue. I think it's that's a everywhere. reality for everywhere. But, I totally agree with that. But when you go into some of these communities and find, people will say, candidly, black people don't want police in their community. I'm saying everyone that I've volunteered in, one of the first things they say is they want to see more cops. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Right? Yep that they hate everybody. No, it's trust. I've worked with community groups here that have millions in resources that they can't use because they can't get the people to come out because the trust is broken. And what frustrates me more than anything now with the tribalism is that the work doesn't get done because we're too busy trying to score freaking points on television and radio. And I think that is the garbage that's killing us right now. How do you rebuild that trust? I mean, you know, you know, and let's let's stay specific to Baton Rouge because okay. I am curious on like what your thoughts yeah. are on like how is Baton Rouge doing? Yeah. What, yeah. What, what's your what's your state of the state on where Baton Rouge is right now, and where do you think it's going? But like, let's let's start with that. Like, it is a there are certain pockets where there's a trust issue mm-hmm. there. How do we get that changed? You get people together. Mm-hmm. You first allow people in those situations to see people who don't always look like them in their community helping and you get people who are never in those areas on the ground to see the actual reality. Yeah. 
My daughter went to LSU and she talked me into going to the Nutcracker with her uh, during the holidays. Don't know how that happened. See, I knew you could tie a bow tie. If you're going to hang out at the Nutcracker, you no, know no, how no, to tie no. a bow tie. I, I didn't say I was hanging out at the Nutcracker. That's <laughs> like, no, 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 no. She got me to go. Yeah. And so we went. It was in the PMAC. We watched it, and we left. And I kind of drove through parts of old South Baton Rouge. Don't say a word. And she's looking around, and she saw some kids playing kind of in a ditch. She said, that's so sad. I said, well, what do you mean? He said that they have to live like this. And I said, sweetheart, first of all, to them, they probably don't think anything is wrong with that because that's the reality they've always Mm -hmm. lived. But when you see that, it should make you appreciative for what you have. But never forget that others don't have what you have. And that perspective is often lost on people who are supposed to represent those areas and people who are not there. So you said, how do we rebuild the trust? It's Going empathy back to it. and understanding, right? And it's not, it, and everybody thinks that's being weak. No, it's not being no, empathy weak. It's not weak, not at all. No. Absolutely. Yeah. And we have to be able to, I brought some guys into the inner city. It's a funny story. I took some businessmen. We were having a dialogue about crime after the shooting on yeah. Blue Bonnet in front of the mall. And I said, guys, this, this is not a problem with a political solution. Oh, no, Clay. So I said, I'll tell you what. You guys pick the day. I'll get a sprinter. And I'll take you into parts of Baton Rouge you've never seen. And we did it. We met on a, at a, in the parking lot of one of the guys' business. I had a couple of officers come to guide the tour because there's some areas deep back in there. Yeah. And we drove. So we're driving, and they're seeing it quiet. We got out, we walked, and the reality hit them. Uh, and they all said to a person, yeah, this is more than politics. But one of the guys were driving, and he turns and said, well, Clay, what's that road over there? I said, which road? He said, no, that one over there. I said, you mean Airline Highway? <laughs> so in a, in a part of Baton Rouge, he, right. didn't recognize, he didn't recognize He didn't recognize it. Airline Highway. See, that's the work that takes guts. Yeah, and it, that is the tricky part, understanding that you can have folks <clears throat> living really close to you as the crow flies, but lifetimes away from you from, from reality, and <clears throat> excuse me, social interactions. And so, you know, as I've gotten involved with Crystal Ray, I've mm-hmm. had that same experience. Yeah. As we bring these students yeah. into South Baton Rouge yep. businesses, I just find it amazing. Yeah. Not just the the understanding and enlightenment you get from some of these students who are, you know, brought in to be a part of these businesses, but also the business owners. Right. And and the relationships they form with these students. And I, I just hear countless story after countless story of both sides having their eyes open to, you know, how other parts of city, what they're dealing with. And I think once you can truly start understanding how some, what else someone is going through, then you can start to get down on their level mm-hmm. and figure out, okay, here's where we agree, here's where we disagree, and here's where we got common ground we need to build off of. And I think that's what Baton Rouge has to get to. We've got to get there at some point. I think, I think a lot of that does go on here. I mean, hell, I'm a part of it doing what I do with, with this board I volunteer with. I think it's happening in other parts of the country as well, but if – if someone comes into a wealthy part of Baton Rouge and starts immediately criticizing people as being out of touch or you stole it to get here or you don't care about the poor people in your language, you're going to recoil, right? If someone goes into the inner city and says, everybody here's a criminal, I don't know why we waste any resources here. Same reaction is going to happen. So it's got to start with us being able to, like Covey said, understand first. 
Why is it that a young lady or a young man who is in a poor community gets educated, is able to be upwardly mobile and immediately leaves? Because they want better. Because our innate hunger in ourselves before it's killed yeah. is to grow. But, you know, if I go back, let me, let me, you know, going back to the, you know, as I've got to discuss with you in this, in this conversation, you mentioned what your grandmother taught mm-hmm. you, how you watched your grandmother and your grandfather, the work ethic they had, the way mm-hmm. they treat their family and their business. You talked about the story mm-hmm. driving with your daughter, explain to her what she's seeing and what she's processing, what she should figure out on her own. I think one thing that I've learned in, in dealing with Crystal Ray is unfortunately there are a lot of kids that don't have that who don't have that grandma mm-hmm. and don't have mm-hmm. that father interaction. Mm-hmm. And um, it really was an eye-opening experience for me that, and it made me do, to have some inward looking as well. Like, you know, I look at my kids and how, you know, my wife and I, we're, we're there for every step of the way yeah. and we think we're doing the best job possible, but whether we are or not, isn't really the question. The question is every day, are we giving them everything we got? Yeah. And for the most part we are. And that goes so far for some of these kids. And so I, I do think that, you know, the, the need for role models and yeah. influences and, and for kids to be able to just bounce crazy ideas off of an adult and get a rational response back that is a big missing Man. piece in a lot of households, north, south, any part of any part of Any part of any city. But, you know, all of the positive attributes that we have as human have to be taught. You don't have to teach a baby. Or emulate it. Or you just or, or you yeah. shouldn't be around it or whatever. You don't have to teach yeah. a baby to be selfish or That's to right. manipulate or to take something that doesn't belong to them. I mean, by our very nature, when we're born, we're takers because we, we can't do for ourselves. Yeah. So learn behavior is an important thing, even in watching other people do it. But when you're in an area where you don't see it, and that's my thing. And listen, I don't have a God complex. I don't think I can fix and save everybody. That's a way to go nuts as well. I just think you do what you can where that's you right. can. That's right. And, and even for some people, even if it's just writing a check, that's cool too. Vet the people you're giving the check to, but you do what you can, but we're so separated now and it's not getting any better. And we're moving into a dangerous piece of real estate if we don't say, wait a minute, let's all take a beat. Let's slow down one second and actually talk like grownups. So um, if Baton Rouge is a stock, you buying or selling? Right now, I think I'm buying because I look around and see what's around us. All right. That's good. What's what's inspiring you in Baton Rouge, and what's the biggest thing you think we got to work on besides getting everyone to well, understand each other? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, most of the things that we need to do from an infrastructure standpoint, we've got the money to do it now. And it's going to be a pain in the rear well, in the process, but that is It just, is definitely going to be a pain. That is part of the price of, of, of the We've of the always had we the need. pain. We just didn't have the money. That's right. That's right. Uh, I believe the younger entrepreneur and community person is more fearless than our generation. And they're more like generations before us. They're fearless. And in many cases, they don't mind doing the brain work on a subject to come out and take a stand on something with, with ever, with, with whatever it is. And they are more prone to see each other as individuals as than some ethnic box on an application. Yeah, that's right. And that gives me some hope. We are a big college town. And in 10 years, the, the complexion of all of government is going to be different if you look at who the representation is. Yeah. So, you know, you buy low. That's right. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing. 
So I believe where we are right now, there is a huge area for growth, but at least we're moving. And that gives, because I try to be optimistic. Yeah, you have to. You have to. And I do think there's a lot to build off of here. We, we got challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we got to find a better way to attract new, young, entrepreneurial people and keep the ones we have. That yeah. starts with education. That starts yeah. with a lot of things. But, yeah, I, hopefully we're trending in the right direction. But you mentioned kind of new crop coming in. Next year is a big election year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we're going to have a new governor yep. because of term limits. We're yeah. going to have probably some other new statewides because they yeah. might run for that. You got term limits in the legislature and Bessie mm-hmm. and all kind of stuff up and down the chain. Um, we got a mayor's race coming up pretty soon. 24. So, so in general, over the next year and a half, when you're listening to candidates, what are you hoping to hear from candidates? Just some broad strokes. What, what do you think? Or if you're advising someone, hey, what, what should I be saying? What do you think the voters want to hear or need to hear over the next couple of years in Louisiana? And I ask this of this because sometimes I go around the state and I come back uh, motivated, fired up, that people are, 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 are ready to strive for excellence. And sometimes I drive around, I come home and I say, man, we, we are drowning in a culture of low expectations. And we don't strive for what we should be striving for. And we're content with things we should not be content with. And I think sometimes that is just the albatross hanging around our neck that we got to shake loose of. But I go back and forth depending on what I'm hearing. So what's your vibe on where voters are and what would you, are you advising people to say around the next couple of years? I would say overwhelm with the little things. Mm-hmm. Overwhelm with the little things. Talk about the little things, the little nuisances that people deal with that you can fix. And I have a long list of them. I would talk about why we have never addressed the fact that it floods on Acadian Thruway once a week, right? I would talk if you're in, you know, Cattle Parish about how close some of those traffic lights are together when you're there. The little things, because the big ideas, the big ideas that have sold elections for so long that never come to fruition because they've got to go through something called a legislative process versus a list of little things. People have lost faith in big ideas becoming a reality. The little things. Yeah. I'm talking, and then I, I always tell candidates, don't just describe how you would paint the picture. Show it to me. Show me I can make this change using this strategy and pay for it from this pool of money, which is allowable under whatever statute or whatever authority I have. Here are the things that I know I can do tomorrow. I think that's right. I think it's also important to just show people What's going on in Texas? What's going on in Mississippi? What's going on in Tennessee? The truth is our neighbor states are doing some pretty cool things, they and are. they're starting to see some benefit from it. And, look, Texas, everyone rolls rise at Texas because it feels like a, you know an impossible person to be compared to. Mississippi, no. But Mississippi's look, not that far away, let me big tell you guy. Something. I'm telling look, you. So I'm competitive as a, as a person, I'm, and I'm, I know I don't know you, you. I'm petty competitive, too. Like, oh, nice. Oh, petty competitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. <laughs> Whack. And I try to hide that part. That's why I don't like doing these doggone interviews. But <laughs> I look at Texas and say, great. That's wonderful. And so what? You know, whatever. I think that needs to be our attitude. We need a swagger in Louisiana. Yeah. And that's what we have to have. So great, Texas. You're bring, it bring it on. Three and a half times the size of us from a, from a landmass standpoint. All the oil that you had inland there that's created so many billions for so many families over years. So, okay, let's go. That's got to be our attitude. What does it take to get there? There's always going to be Mississippi. 
and then maybe there's not always going to be Mississippi. So it's, it's, my, it's like gum on your shoe. I mean, they're never going away. They're going to be there forever. <laughs> right, so. I like that gum on your shoe. But no, so my attitude is we should be a little more, right. you know, shoulders back, head high about ourselves. So whatever. Here's what I can say. We are a state that has an opportunity to grow. Six billion is going to be invested in broadband in our state. We've got some infrastructure improvements that are going to happen in the capital region. Yeah. We have a lower cost of living, the greatest food on the planet, the friendliest people. So we scared of you, Texas. That's got to be our attitude. And I think that kind of thing is infectious when people say that. Wait a minute. We don't get along here. Well, where the hell can you go in America where everybody gets along? It doesn't exist. Is this your campaign announcement? Oh, man. I See, this coffee's hot. I, I told it. you this coffee's I hot. I knew it. You're I, knew, catch a I knew we were going right. to break news no, on this podcast no, today. No, Ladies no. and gentlemen. No, see, you heard this it is here why first. I don't agree to do these things. Because, see, that's how, that's how rumors but get started. But that wasn't started. an announcement? Dude. Did it sound like an announcement? I don't know, man. It, it did not did. sound like an announcement. What it you running not. for? The door, as soon as you entered the period in your last sentence. Have you ever thought about running? Never. No? Never. Why? Because I think I can be more useful on the outside. Okay, I'll give you that. All right. I'll answer this question for you that I've never answered on the air in this way. I, I said that part. Hell yeah. I have been around electeds at every level. Yeah. You and I know friends from Washington, D.C. to down the street from where we are to in city halls across the state. Yeah. And if you don't have an army with you, if you are a visionary, you're just waiting to get choked out. And years and years and years ago, armies of people, movements went in with agendas. Mm -hmm. And you can even talk across the aisle. Now you've got a, co a collection of people who want to be their own individual. That's, that's true. But let me, let me give you the glass half full version of that. In the term limit world, it brings a lot of chaos with it and it's disorganized and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, back in the day in Louisiana, the same two or three dudes kind of ruled the roost for decades at a mm -hmm. time. And now in a term limit election, you really never know who's going to get elected. And you really never know once you put them all in the same and building who's going to step up and, like, be a change maker. And, like, that level of um, unpredictable yet exciting yeah. opportunity, I think it's what we need. And it creates a competitive environment in there. Whereas, you know, it wasn't too long ago in the legislature where – when you first got elected, you were told to sit in the corner, keep your mouth shut for 15 years, and we'll let you know when it's your time to talk. No, that's not, no. Not anymore. Those guys, now look, it's chaotic. But at least you got a fighting chance on any given day for a new idea to actually gain traction. But see, here's, but, but, okay, I hear you, and I hear the optimism. You know, that's that's my thing, but I'm also a realist. Yeah. It's, it takes those two branches working together yeah. to make it happen. You and I both know it's going to be, an, an MMA fight spending this money we got from the federal government on yeah. infrastructure. Now, it's common sense, some of the areas. I told somebody the other day, in 1989, when Buddy Romer was in office, mm -hmm. the bridge that's between New Roads and St. Francisville was approved. Yeah, It opened in 2010, 2011. Is it open now? I don't even know. Well, I mean, yeah, there's six or seven crawlers that cross yeah. it every day. Yeah, I but heard it's, of it. Yeah, yeah. here's yeah. a nice bridge. No, it's a gorgeous bridge. Yeah. If you go on it by yourself, you'll be by yourself. <laughs> didn't, didn't Garrett like have like a uh, press thing there where he like ate dinner on it or something one day? <laughs> I, I think he like went and like held a press conference and like actually like had a sandwich on the middle of it or something. What like was that. it? Uh, Pee Wee Berthelot said. Um, oh, J. E. Jumanville was the guy who gets credit for actually making that thing happen. J. E. Jumanville. Yeah, it's back in the Man, day, right there. Way back there. Yeah, Tom Green took that dude out. Man. Okay, so. <laughs> 
let's talk. Let's get a little. Let's let's end with a little lighthearted thing. So, okay. Um, what's your favorite movie? I bet you got an interesting favorite movie. Are you a Godfather guy? I am. I, I am. Figured. Yeah. I am. I, the strat- third one, not so much. Third one was terrible. Uh, one and two were magic movie. I'll come back to that one. What's the okay. next question? Uh, what bourbon are you drinking these days? I am actually doing tequila these days. Oh, yeah. Look at you. Lower in cal- uh, caloric number. Yeah. Oh, uh, all, all the all the hipsters trying to make their their bellies look thin are drinking tequila these days. I know that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You're looking good. You're looking good these days. I, I, yeah, yeah. No, I put the work in, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you do. You do. Um, let's see. What's what else? Uh, we'll go back to that favorite movie. I want to hear that. What, what's your favorite movie? Come on, give me, give me. Don't don't overthink it. No, I'm not. I'm going to tell you my favorite movie, and it's going to surprise All right. the hell out of people. The first Transformers. That does surprise the hell out of me. You know why? No, my sons. Oh, they got into it. Oh they, my they, god! Yeah, yeah. See, that's the dad, and you like that. Man, I like that. Like yeah. I like a lot of movies. I mean, I, there depends on my mood. You should. You got to give me categories. Like you can't say your favorite movie. I mean. Drama, comedy. No, don't do that though. I'm just saying you gotta you gotta give categories. How long have you been doing this? Not too long. Okay. See, I try to emulate you. I'm not very good at no, it. No, no, you're very good at it. All right, last question. Why the heck are you a Niners fan? Why are you a Niners fan? So you grew up in Louisiana. No, no, no. Here, here, Back in the day no, no, here's the when thing. the Saints were coming alive no, no, and coming Jim Moore alive. came in and we were coming making, alive? we had Joe Montana sitting on top of us. We had Steve Young okay, sitting on okay, top of okay. us. And that, well, okay. during that struggle, no, no, no. think back to your grandma. No, 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 no. During that struggle, <laughs> you're picking the Niners. First of all, let's, let's talk about this. All right, let's do it. When I was a kid, yeah. the Saints sucked. Yeah, that's right. Nobody liked the Saints. Yeah. If they weren't playing at home, you never even saw them on television. Yeah. And then sometimes, oh, excuse me, if they weren't playing at, on the road because they couldn't fill the Superdome. So you ditched them in their time of need. So, the, and this is, a, this is weird, but like the Niners, a little bit, because you, you see them, they were on television all the time. They were on TV and a lot, there's no doubt. Then O.J. Simpson went there. Yeah. He was a big name. Not, not for into the same car- reasons now. career O.J., but yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they drafted Joe Montana. Yeah. Oh man, this was a team I liked started winning, and they won, and they won again. And you, you know, you know again and yeah, again yeah, yeah. and again. So yeah, I'm I a loyal the, fan. I remember this. But here's what I tell people: outside of the last three or four years, we had about 15 years where the Niners were terrible. I never jumped off the bandwagon. Okay, so unlike you, a lot of Saints fans who want to quit the team every other Sunday. I mean, you guys are the worst. Oh, that's not true. This is, the is, mo- is this is one of the most loyal serious? fan bases out there, dude. Are you serious? You, you're, you okay. just said that into you're a microphone. You're buying your own spin. You're buying your no, own. No, no, no. Okay, are you going to tell me you don't have a friend, a family member, a colleague, someone who's not said these words to you? And I want you to tell the truth. There are witnesses in the room. You've never heard one of your fellow Saints fans say, "I'm done with the Saints." First of all, the witnesses in this room <laughs> work for me. Okay, so. that's a nice dodge. <laughs> You've never heard them say, "I'm done with the Saints." Truth. Oh, every yeah, of course you say that. Okay, then, but, right, your, but your actions don't emulate that. No, during, no. during a game, I have never there, said that. there's a grace period during a game. You can say whatever you want about your team. It's just no matter how you act on the back end. Of I that. have never said that. Fun fact about Joe Montana: he's never lost a game in the Superdome. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm, good for him. I bet he'll never win another one in the Superdome. Well, he's been retired for a little while, yeah. right now. You, what do you mean, the Forty ers No, Joe Montana will never win another game. This is this is true. He's yeah. seventy wags. I don't know that's that he'll right. get back on the well, field anytime truth soon. Truth is but, truth. But don't that, dodge but that's, it. But that's, but I'm, so why are you a Saints fan? Grew up there, um, from, born uh, and raised. It's in the blood. 
I don't, I don't, I don't cut and run on my home team. I didn't cut and run on I'm, my I'm, home I'm, team. I'm gonna take it to the finish with they them. They were, they were stinking like skunks yeah. in the road. Hey, by know. the way, what if Moses would have cut and run on the Israelis in the desert all those years? Like, look, we got no hope. This is over. Y'all been losing for forty years. I'm out. Wow, that's a deep pocket yeah, to pull about that, that one out of. You that's like that? pretty good right there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you re- you're flexible today. All what right. if, but, all no, right. no, no. So that, I, I'm I'm a Niner guy, man. Yeah. I'm a Niner guy, and, and uh, this year is going to be great. What do you think about the LSU Southern football game? I love it. I think it's fantastic. I think it's great for Baton Rouge. I do too. Grambling comes into here. Next you want to talk year. about bringing a city together? I can guarantee you, in what three weeks, it's going to come together one Saturday night. The I think Saints play thing. the 49ers this year in uh, Santa Clara. Nice. You going to go? No, no, no. You know, I, we'll keep so talking about that. I'm a horrible loser. We went, we we went to a game. You here. want to bet a ball tequila on that game? I'll take the Saints. You take the Niners. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. All right. Ball I drink tequila the expensive line. stuff now. Damn it. All right. Well, <laughs> come on. Who to ask? Don't let me down. Come on, Jameis. <laughs> hey, appreciate you, bro. All right, for man. All you do, man. I've enjoyed it. Clay Young, if you, uh, you got a pot, tell, tell people where they can find you and all the great stuff uh, you put out there. I host a television show here on uh, WBRZ+. Plus. You can check it out Friday nights, 730, replays on Saturday, 2 o'clock, 230. Hulu, Roku, WBRZ.com. Uh, my podcast on podcast225.com is on hiatus right now. A lot on the plate. We're kind of revamping it on the inside. About 285 episodes of that has been done. Damn, and, uh, and in addition to what I do as a, as a company, which occupies most of my time. The man, the myth, the legend, a great guy, and a, and a, and a great, strill, uh, skilled communicator. Clay Thank you, Young, thanks for joining us today. You got it, brother. All right, that's the latest edition of The Biz by Lobby. Uh, join us next time where we introduce you to interesting people doing interesting things all across Louisiana. Thanks for listening. Bye.